This is the Motion Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like more information about Motion Church, you can always visit our website at motionchurch.com. If you'd like to contribute to what God is doing here at Motion, you can do that at motionchurch.com forward slash give. We hope you enjoyed today's message. All right. What's up, everybody? Okay, so look, I, I honestly, I promise I did not intend to do like two of the, the series in a row with like the compound words. All right, first off, let me, let me break this down. Um, how many of you have been in church for a while, maybe grew up in church, or just kind of maybe the last few years you've been in church? How many of you are familiar with the word Beatitudes, the Beatitudes found in Matthew chapter 5? We'll, we'll kind of get into it. So I've seen that word so many times, I had no idea like exactly what it meant. I just know that, hey, these are the Beatitudes, right? And how many of you would be honest and say you do the same thing, right? Uh, so... Every time I see that word, it kind of think, it makes me think of other words, right? When you see a word that has like some similarities to other words. And so I was like, hmm, beatitudes, beautitudes. So it's like how to have a beautiful attitude. And so anyway, we're going to do a whole series based on the beatitudes and how to, how to get, and I'll be honest with you guys. Y'all, y'all good with that? Can I be honest with you in church? Right? Okay, good. Because if not, there are other churches that you can go to where they'll lie to you. I'm going to tell you the truth, right? Uh, the, the whole premise of this series is about attitudes, because mine is not great all of the time. I thought that would be a good chance for everybody to be like, me too, Pastor? I guess I'm the only one that struggles with, with attitude problems. That's not true, because I've, I've been around some of y'all, and I've seen some of your attitudes. Um, and, and so the whole idea is like, what does it mean to have a good attitude? What, is it even a good attitude that we're after, or is it like the right attitude in any way? So this seemed like a really good place to start, these things that Jesus is telling us to do and, and how we should conduct ourselves, and, and not just externally. It's not just a code of conduct, but it's who we are as his people and the attitude that we should have you know, as a result of that. That's kind of where the premise of the series came from. Uh, so anyway, let's talk about the Beatitudes for a minute. So like I said, it's found in Matthew chapter 5. It's the, the very beginning of what is referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, Jesus is shooting some shots, like fuego. It's, it's fire. He is busting people's chops, but like in the most loving and kind way possible. He, he is presenting some really, really radical ideas. And, and so it starts with, so he comes in hot, basically. It starts with, again, this, these statements, these really strong series of poetic, proverb-like statements. And they all start with the words, blessed are. Are you familiar with that? Blessed are. And this is where it gets weird, because when somebody's like, hey, this is, this is how you are blessed. And most of us are like, we're waiting for something good to follow. It's like, blessed are you when you, you know, go and get something for yourself, and you achieve, and you succeed, and make it all about yourself. And that's not what he does at all. In fact, he takes things that we would perceive to be maybe negative or, or downers, and he turns them upside down on their head, because again... Jesus is so countercultural, right? It's not like we do what everybody else does if, if we are following him, because if you want to follow him, sometimes you got to go the other direction, right? Okay, that's, all right, listen, listen. I don't know what church you came from. I don't know what your church background is, but it is more of a conversation in this church. So if I say, you know what I mean? You'd be like, yeah, I know what you mean, Pastor. Okay, maybe not, don't go that far, but crowd participation is strongly encouraged. And so this is where the word beatitude comes from. So, so the beginning of each of these, these statements starts with blessed are. So they kind of collectively became known as 
blessings, these eight blessings, and that is where we get the word Beatitudes. There's like a Latin thing that takes place, and I'm not going to bore you with it because, frankly, I don't understand it, right? So all we need to know is we get the word Beatitudes from these, these blessings, these eight blessings that Jesus talked about. And again, the angle that we're approaching this from is attitude, right? The Beatitude determines our attitude or should determine our attitude. What Jesus said is important, should be important to us, and ultimately determine the way that we live, the way that we act, the way that we carry ourselves. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to read all of them. There's not many. Don't get, don't get edgy on me. Don't freak out. And then we're going to kind of focus in, in and dial in on just one of them for today. Unfortunately, we're only going to be able to cover four of them in the series. It's kind of like verse two in a Baptist church. It just gets left out. So what we're going to do is, and we're, we're kind of selectively picking and choosing the four. And there's a reason, but you won't find out today. You got to come back for that. Uh, so the, the four that we're going to look at over the next you know, few weeks, and then the other four we'll probably maybe try to revisit at another point. So let's read Matthew chapter five, verses three through 10. It says this, blessed are the poor in spirit. Again, what? Right? Blessed are poor in spirit. That doesn't make sense in, in kind of the way that we tend to perceive things or the way that we understand things. Because when we would, we, if we were saying this, if we were telling somebody what it means to be blessed, we would say blessed are the rich in spirit, right? But Jesus is like, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, let's be honest. Like, that's not generally or typically how we understand blessings. We think blessings are all about good things, right? We think blessings are all about things that make our life easier, but that's not necessarily the case, as, as we can tell from this passage. So what we're going to talk about today is specifically Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, and it says this, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What we're going to do, we're going to break that down, because I think there's, there's kind of two obvious com components to that verse, right? Blessed are the meek, and they shall inherit the earth. So we're going to break down exactly what it means to be meek, what it means to inherit the earth, and then we're going to talk about how to apply that information to our lives. Y'all good with that? Okay, good. Yeah, that's better. We're getting somewhere. So let's talk about blessed are the meek. What, what the heck does that even mean? It seems strange to me. It's always seemed strange to me, but that, that this is, it's one of the first things that Jesus says in his most famous sermon, and yet it's so rarely talked about in church and Christianity, like this idea of meekness. In fact, I think the only time I ever really hear meekness talked about is when, when people talk about Moses and how it says that Moses was the meekest man on the face, face of the earth, which seems a little weird, right, to say that somebody is the meekest man on the face of the earth because that, okay, you guys didn't get the humor in that. Especially when you consider that it seems as if maybe he was the one that wrote that. You can't say that about yourself because that means you're not the meekest man on the earth, but he didn't write it. So anyway, so it's, it's weird to me that this idea of being meek is, is kind of front and center. It's one of the first things that Jesus talked about, and yet we, we rarely talk about it. And I think one of the reasons, there's probably a few reasons, one of the reasons I think meekness is one of those things that when we hear it, we actually hear something else. Yeah, you have words like that when you hear it. Maybe this word association thing happens and you kind of convolute it in your head for it to mean something than, other than what it means. Like on, what is it, the Princess Bride? I don't think that means what you think that means. 
so when, when it means to be, what it means to be meek, what, I think what happens for us so often is that, that we hear it means to be weak. And that's not the case at all, right? Like, don't, don't mistake our meekness for weakness. That's probably the best way that I've ever heard this thing summed up. In fact, I think it takes greater strength to be meek than it does to be any of its, its antonyms, right? Any of its opposites. So, so to be meek takes greater strength than it does to be showy or ostentatious or prideful. That's actually kind of weak, right? That's easy to do. It's, it's a lot harder to demonstrate or exhibit self-control and discipline and, and humility and some of the things that we'll talk about when we start describing or defining what meekness is. You see the difference? Like it, it's kind of like the whole, the whole thing you heard when you were growing up. Like how many of you, maybe guys dealt with this more than girls. I don't know. Doesn't seem like girls get in a lot of fistfights. They're more mature. Although you guys can be catty. Right. So, so guys, a lot of times, like we were tempted to fight and like it was part of what you talked about when you were with your friends growing up in junior high and high school, you know, you know, it's just stupid stuff. Right. And so we were always told, well, it takes more of a man to walk away from a fight than it does to actually get in a fight. But that's not the way that we, that's not the way that we communicated it. It's just the way that we understood it. Right. It's, it's what was told to us. And, and so the idea here is that ultimately it takes, it takes more strength to do the thing that, that most people don't want to do the countercultural thing than it is to do what everybody else is doing. And so meekness is one of those things that takes great strength. So here's a definition to help us better understand what meekness is. It is, it's actually, it's a long definition and it's got kind of parts to it. And I think that's good. It says this, meekness is mild of temper, not easily provoked or irritated. I'm actually kind of getting irritated at the definition of meekness because... <laughs> I told you, this, this whole series is probably, at least for today, is going to be an indictment on, on my uh, prognosi- necessitated progress, my growth that needs to take place. So meekness is mild of temper, not, not easily provoked or irritated, submissive to the divine will, not proud or self-sufficient. And, and I love everything about that, especially as it relates to attitude. Th- think about our attitude, right? So our attitude is mild of temper, not easily provoked, not easily irritated, our attitude is that we are submitted to the divine will. We are submitted to God's will, not necessarily to our own will. To be meek means, to have a meek attitude means that we are not proud and we are not self-sufficient. And we're going we're to break down each of those so it just, it makes more sense. It's more clear, right? So to, to be meek means that we aren't walking around looking for something to trigger us. How many of you have encountered people like this? It's just like they are waiting for you to offend them. Just, just at any, at the first sign of offense, they're ready to, to pounce like El Tigre, right? They're, they're ready to go at all times. And, and that is the exact opposite of meekness, right? That, that is looking to be provoked as opposed to, to not allowing yourself to be provoked by things that just don't matter. Have y'all noticed how often we get like torqued up about stuff that when we have the privilege of hindsight, when we get past it, when we move past the emotion of it, we kind of, we're like, well, that was kind of dumb. That basically sums up most of my existence, right? I'm just like, why did that bother me so much? Shelly Shelley told me the other day, and it's one of those things like when people tell you something that's true, but you don't want to hear it in a moment. Y'all have any of those? Yeah, so, so Shelly told me something the other day. I was irritated about something which rarely happens. I very rarely get irritated. I was irritated about something. Something had taken place, and, and, and Shelly was like, you know what? In two years, this isn't going to matter. 
And in fact, probably in two days, it's not going to matter. But you know how we, we're prisoners of the moment, right? We, we feel everything we feel in the moment, and we allow ourselves to be irritated by the things that happen, and that's not meekness. Meekness is not allowing ourselves to be provoked or irritated. Not being easily provoked requires discipline and self-control, and that is not weak at all. That is incredible strength to not respond when you feel like responding, to, to not respond when you feel like you have a right to respond. And, and like, what, what is our right to, to be provoked, right? Like, and, and here, there's a balance to all of this, right? I think there's, let me, let me balance this out. I think there are times where it is okay to respond. I think there are times where it's okay to maybe enter into the provocation, if for lack of a better expression, right? And it just takes strength and wisdom to determine when you should and when you shouldn't. But I think most of the time we shouldn't, but most of the time we're looking for a fight. We're looking for a reason to be offended. We're looking for a reason to be irritated or irritable. And that is not meekness. I think about Jesus, and, and, and we love to do this with Jesus. Jesus was either we make him a hippie or we make him a hostile preacher, right? And, and the reality is, is like most of, most of his life was, was much more about like teaching and loving and, and demonstrating to people firsthand what it looks like to be a child of God. But there were times where Jesus was willing to enter into the provocation. I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but it just sounds fun, right? Like Jesus was, was okay with, at times, when the moment called for it and the principle was worth it, he, he wasn't afraid to allow himself to be provoked. But it takes strength and wisdom and discipline to determine when you should and when you shouldn't. But most of the time, we shouldn't. Let's, let's be honest. Most of the time, the thing that gets us so irritated is not really even a thing that we should be irritated about. In fact, we're probably only irritated about it because it selfishly affects us. Okay, anyway, we'll move on because I feel like I'm selfishly affecting people. So that's the first part. To, to be meek is, is that you are not easily provoked. The second part of it, the definition then goes on to explain how people who, who are meek are submissive to the divine will, not necessarily submissive to the way and the whims and the will of the world that we are in. And so this one seems so obvious. If you, you grew up in church, like we painted this picture, like I, I think maybe we, we do a better job of this. I don't know. It seems like we kind of painted this picture like it's, it's us versus the world, right? It's, it's the church and the world is bad, the world is evil, the world is, you know, this, that, or the other, which I don't even know. That's a fun expression, right? This, that, or the other. I think you pretty much covered it. And so what we've done is we've kind of, we've put the world as an enemy and, and in reality, the world is our target, right? The world is what we're trying to reach and influence. And they, if you treat them like an enemy, you're never going to influence them. That's a whole thing. Uh, so... But, but we, are not, we are not subjugated to the way that the world works. Our submission is to the will of God. We do what he wants, not what it is that the world wants us to do. So in other words, our attitude is that we are here on the earth for the purposes of God, not just for selfish gain, like not just for what we can get out of it. When, when I hear the, the expression like submitted to the divine will, I think about Jesus when he was in the garden and he was about to go to the cross and, and he prays this prayer. He was like, God, if, if this cup can be passed from me, like, let it be so. But if not, let your will be done and not mine. Like, I'm paraphrasing all of that, but I think you kind of get the idea. And, and so the idea is that sometimes we have to enter into difficulty or suffering, and we don't get to do what we want to do, but we submit to the divine will. That's what meekness is. And in the last definition, last portion of the definition of meekness, it says that it is 
people who are not proud or self-sufficient. I think a lot of people cringe when they hear that we're not supposed to be self-sufficient because we love the idea of independence. How many of y'all like independence? Okay. Yes. Some of, some of y'all. Some of y'all are like, give me my handcuffs, right? I like, I like dependence. Uh, and, and maybe this is like it's skewed a little bit because of the, the nation that we're in and like we celebrate independence like crazy. But I think that there, there's kind of this just this innate human desire for independence when in reality, like what, what you're seeking is independence. What you're seeking is freedom actually leads to bondage. But if you enter into to bondage, you'll actually find freedom. And, and it's just a weird thing. It's another one of those, those conundrums of, of faith, right? Like when you submit to God's will and you say that you are in control and I am not, what we would presume is that you're giving up freedom, but what you're finding is true freedom. But when you run from God's will in pursuit of freedom, what you're finding is you're actually subjugating yourself to more and more bondage. Does that make sense? I know those are $3 words thrown in there, like subjugated. Anyway, so, so for clarification, let, let me, again, I think so. all of this stuff has to be clarified, right? So we are not to be independent, but we are to be dependent on God. Being dependent on God does not mean that you don't have any ambition, that you don't desire to achieve. Being dependent on God doesn't mean that you sit at your house eating bonbons on your couch watching cable TV waiting for God to provide. It means that you go out and you produce and you contribute knowing that God is the one who gave you the ability to do that, that he's created you with purpose and you are working and ultimately you remember that he is the one that is in control. That's the difference, I think, between the two. So self-sufficient, self-sufficient would be like, God, I don't need you to do what I'm doing and, and self or depending on God being sufficient in him means God, I'm going to do everything that I can, but I know ultimately you are the one who makes a way and you are the one who provides. And that is a great picture of meekness starting to make sense a little bit. So, so meekness is not weakness. Meekness is, is not easily provoked. It's not people who are irritable. Meekness is not people who, who do what they want to do, but it's people who are submitted to God's will. And meekness is people who are not dependent on themselves, but ultimately dependent on God. That's kind of a, a Cliff Notes version of what meekness is. So that's the first part of it. So it's blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What, what the heck does it even mean to inherit the earth? Is God giving us land grants? I'm, I was reading, um, I'll, I'll indict myself just a little bit here. So I was reading a book the other day. It was actually a textbook. I'm way too old to be reading textbooks. But I found a book a long time ago, and it's been in my, my, on my bookshelf, and I started looking at it. I thought it was just a cool book, right? And it was like Texas. It said something about Texas. I was like, oh, Texas, yeah, right? America, Texas, Texas, America, America, Texas, whatever. So I was, I was so excited just to have the book. It looked really cool, and then I, like, I picked it up, and I started reading it, and come to find out it was a textbook from 1938 about the history of Texas. So like, it's pretty good. It's like a historical book about history. And I was just like, this is fascinating. So I started reading about the colonization of Texas and the French and the Spaniards and all this stuff that nobody cares about. And so what was cool was, is that people were actually given land grants and, and 600 acre land grants. And it would be more depending on your family and, and like how many people are you bringing with you? And I was like, I want a land grant. I'm like, give me 600 acres. That'd be cool. And so what, what it does not mean to inherit the earth, it does not mean that God is giving us land grants, right? And, and so this this statement, this phrase kind of adds to the mystery and complexity of the verse. And it's probably one of the reasons that we tend to avoid it because it's, it's confusing, right? We don't understand meekness very well, and we certainly don't understand what it means to inherit the earth. But I think if you do some cross-referencing, it's not as complicated as it may initially sound. So 
you ready? We're going we're gonna to jump back and forth for a few minutes. Y'all good with that? All right, so the, the phrase inherit the earth is actually used a few times in Scripture, not just in the New Testament, but also in the Old Testament. In fact, Psalm 37, I think, uses it a few times. And so the idea of inheriting the earth doesn't mean that we are inheriting the globe. It means that we are inheriting the land that God has called us to. And so what you find in the Old Testament was God was always promising a land to his people if they would do what it was that he called them to do, right? So I will bring you out of this, this nation and I'll bring you into the promised land. And so you can, you can inherit this promise that I have for you. So another way of understanding inheriting the earth is to inherit the promises that God has for you. Is that helpful? That was one of the, when I read that, I was like, oh, y'all never have those moments where you're just like, hello, right? So, so the promises of God are, is what we're actually inheriting, right? We're not inheriting physical, material earth. We're not inheriting dirt, but we are inheriting the promises of God. So that being the case, what are the promises of God? Like what, what promises did God make to us that we could then inherit if we choose meekness? Like we, we've talked about, we kind of covered all of these in the last series, the, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. All of these are conditionally available to us if we, there, there's always a condition, and we talk about so much about the, the love of God being unconditional, which I believe is true, but inheriting some of the promises and walking in the things that he's provided for us are conditional. It, it's kind of like the idea of a door, right? It's like you may have access to what's on the other side. Somebody gave you permission to take the things that are on the other side of the door, but you still have to be the one to open the door to go in and get it. And I think it's the same way with God's promises. It's like, yeah, he's made that available to you, but meekness is what opens the door for us to then go in and access those promises. So, so some of the, the other promises outside of the fruit of the Spirit, what about contentment? Like, that's, that's a promise I believe that God has made to us. Hope, I think, is a promise that God has made to us. And, and I don't know about you, but I think both of those are in short supply in the world that we live in, right? There's not a lot of contentment. There's a lot of pretending to be content. There's a lot of people. In fact, like the, the fact that it's not hard to determine that we are a very discontented society based on, on the things that we do to cover up our discontentment. Right. Like you've seen for the last, you know, 20 years, this number of people who are on drugs because of their discontentment, not not like, you know, like reefer, not like reefer madness, not like on illegal drugs, but like on prescribed drugs, because like we're told that we're supposed to feel a certain type of way. And if we don't feel a certain type of way, we got to take something to make us feel a certain type of way. And so progressively, more and more of us, because of the discontentment in our hearts, we take things to, to make us feel that certain, I love that expression. I don't like the expression, but I love the expression at the same time, certain type of way, because nobody knows what it means. Like I could have just said something really cool or really dumb and nobody knows, right? And, and so like we, we would love to have some more contentment, but I believe that is a promise that God has made to us and we achieve that promise. We step into those promises by living a life of meekness. And, and it all starts to make sense when you kind of you start to piece all of this together, right? We will inherit the earth when we choose to live a life of meekness. Jesus is saying, hey, if you choose to live like this, if you choose not to be cranked up about anything and everything, not to be hot and bothered by every little thing that happens, then you will start to inherit the promises of God. Some of the promises of God would be, let's talk about peace. So if you're not angry about everything and you're not bothered by everything, by default, what is it that you get to experience? Peace. 
Not, peace is not the absence of conflict, but it's the steadiness in your soul in the face of conflict, right? And we start to experience peace when we're not so consumed with everything that's going on around us. And even if, if the things that are going on around us do bother us, we ultimately, we are submissive to the divine will. We know that God is in control, not any one person, not any one circumstance, not, not our government, not the globe that we live in. Like we are submitted to, it's, it's a bigger picture, right? It is a longer view of the world and the things that we are called to do in this world. Psalm 3711 kind of, again, you see the connection between meekness and inheriting the promises. It says this, but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. If we choose to be meek, if we choose not to be irritated by the, this is, can I be honest with you guys? This is one of the reasons that I have a really hard time listening to political radio. I like politics. Like, cause I like to be, I like to be cranked up a little bit. Like it is so dumb, but my, my natural inclination where some people are like, you know, just more, more, I don't want to use the word hippie, but you know what I'm saying? Like, they're just like, yeah, you know, everything's good. And I'm just like, it's not good. It's a problem. And somebody needs to do something about it. Bless God. Right. And so what I have to do is I got to turn some of that stupid stuff off if I want to live a, a life of meekness, because if I don't, I will be provoked. And so it takes some wisdom to determine when you should not be provoked. And in terms of like choosing to be provoked or not be provoked, it's, it's ultimately remembering what matters. Like, what are we here for? What is the purpose that God has put us on the earth? Our purpose and what we've done, we, we messed this up so bad. And, and let me just make fun of us, the American church, for just a little while. What we've done, we have elevated everything above the idea or the identity of being a Christ follower, a Christian. And we... Our descriptor, our adjective is more important than, than the subject, than what actually matters, right? So what matters is to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus. But we have elevated, like, you know, your denomination, your nation, your, your, your skin color, like all of these things we have elevated above the fact that our identity is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. And that was, that may have been, it was slow. But that may have been one of the best claps you guys have done. <laughs> and we wonder why the heck we're so divided, why, the, why there's so much animosity in our society. I'm like, because you're focusing on the wrong things. I stop focusing on crap that doesn't matter. God is so irritating. Like when we, we do this and, and this is and I'm getting provoked. It just it just doesn't matter. What, what, listen, what? what mm, ah. Whew. Okay, I'm not going to do it. Man, I want to do it, but I'm not going to do it. That is meekness, not entering into the provocation, right? So, so again, I think understanding like what we inherit as a result of choosing to, to, to be meek, to, to not, again, not allow ourselves to be provoked, not easily irritated, that we are submissive to, submissive to the divine will, that we are ultimately dependent on God. We, we work there's a great quote. It's like, work as if everything depends on you. Pray as if everything depends on God. Like, that's, that's dependency on God and, and kind of the, the complete opposite of true self-sufficiency, right? And so if we choose to live like this, I, I believe that we really fully start to inherit the promises of God because then you start to see this thing. It kind of comes full circle. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that there is one way of living that is 
beneficial for you personally, right? Like your health will be greatly benefited if you choose not to be on 10 at all times, right? Your, your personal health would be significantly better if you choose to, choose to live a life that is not easily irritated. In fact, I, I read a few articles, and everybody probably knows this. Is, it seems very obvious, right? Some of the, the health benefits to living like this would be like you have a lower risk of high blood pressure. Shocker. <laughs> like there, there are some people that you know like that they are, they are waiting to be offended by the face that they have, like this their red face, and like you can see the veins in their neck just like bulging, and they are, they are waiting for a moment and opportunity to pounce, right? Like, like a, a rabid puma. It's a big cat, and it just waits to pounce. Did you need me to explain that further? Are we good? So, so one of the health benefits, again, like lower high blood pressure, obviously. And if you have high, lower high, low, how do you have lower high Lower blood pressure. Yeah, it lowers your high blood pressure. So you have lower blood pressure. Uh, also, as a result of that, there are less people killing over dead because of heart attacks. Because you're not so worked up about stuff that just doesn't matter. And then, obviously, all of the other kind of coinciding heart risk factors. It also, this was really important, it also helps us to make logical and, and right decisions kind of as a result of clear thinking, right? So if you're not and again, this is so obvious. When we are emotional, we make really stupid decisions. When we, we are calm and we're not irritated and we're choosing to take a longer view of things, we make much better decisions. And that's the goal. And, and then you start to understand, again, kind of the way this thing it works itself out is like we're inheriting the promises of God by choosing to be meek, it's, it's not as if, like, you walk through the door and you, it's, it's one of those, like, game shows. You open a door, tell him what he's won, Johnny, right? A brand new car. Is that a pretty good game show voice? Been working on it. I come up here during the week and nobody's here and I get the microphone and I work, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. And so it's not like you just open and you win. It's like you open and you walk through it and then you get to experience it, the blessings of it. As you walk it out, as you walk out meekness, you start to experience peace. As you walk out meekness, you start to understand wisdom and you experience the benefit and blessing of wisdom when you choose to not respond to things the way that you want to respond to things, but the way that you should respond to things. That is the distinction, right? What I want to do and what I should do are often very different things. And so the, the question is, which one are you going to do? Are you going to do what you want to do? Are you going to be self-sufficient? Are you going to do what you should do? Are you going to be dependent on God? Do you see the difference between the two? So let's, let's talk about how to apply this to our lives. Like, how, how do we leave this place and apply this, this meekness to our lives so that we can inherit the earth? We can inherit the, the promises of God. So I have three, three statements really quick that we're going to go through that I think help us just better understand it, not just, not just better understand it, but then like have something to hold on to and, and use as kind of, you know, again, a foundation for meekness. The first one is this. Meekness is not about a show of clout, but a show of character. Meekness is not about a show of clout, but a show of character. How many times, and again, this, this one is so obvious to me because it's something that I know you've never struggled with this, but I have struggled with this, where like you want to take care of stuff when maybe you don't need to take care of stuff, right? 
And, and you can interpret that however you need to interpret that, right? But, but sometimes it's not about a show of force, but a show of character. It's doing the right thing even when you don't feel like doing the right thing. Even when you could control and you could manipulate or you could overpower, it's choosing instead to be a person who is meek. And it's determined by, is this something that actually matters? And most of the time, it's just not. And it's not something that you should get bent out of shape about. It's something instead that you should have some character, some, some resolve, some self-discipline, and not choosing to blow up, but instead choosing to demonstrate self-control, right? I feel like there's a mirror right here, and I'm just preaching the worst sermon of my life to myself. So it's not a show of clout, but a show of character. The next one is this. Meekness is about conviction, not convenience. Meekness is about conviction, not convenience, right? And, and again, all of this, it seems so kind of, it, there's a theme here, right? That, that the opposite of meekness would be what, what's right in front of us, the moment, the things that we experience, the way that we feel, whereas meekness is about kind of the longer view of things. It's about the, the bigger picture. And so meekness is about conviction, not convenience. And that especially makes sense when you understand Kind of the second part of that definition is that we are submitted to the, the divine will. We are submitted to God's will. And so there are times where we have to live our life based on that conviction, not just what's convenient for us or would benefit us in the moment. Like just because it benefits you in the moment doesn't mean it's the right thing to do, right? There, there are plenty of times, there are plenty of opportunities in your life where you could do something that in the moment might get you ahead, but ultimately it sets you back. And so meekness is about conviction not convenience. And the last one is this. How many of you remember a few years ago, there was a really popular phrase amongst the youths, the youths, youths. Can I not say that anymore? Is that not clever? It's not. So one of the things that, that used to be relatively popular, I don't know if anybody even says this anymore. Like, for example, one of the things we would say is for the win, right? Uh, but we also would say if somebody's doing something really cool, really good with their life, we would say they're winning at life. And you had to pause, be like, they're winning at life, right? Just to, to make it even more dramatic. And so meekness is, is kind of, again, it's this, this, this conflict between you can win the moment or you can win at life, right? You, you can win the moment. You can fly off the handle. You can allow yourself to be irritated. You can win an argument. It's kind of the, the expression like you can lose the battle but win the war. And so many of us choose to win the battle, but we lose the war. Like meekness is about losing the battle but winning the war it's okay if i don't win this argument it's okay if i don't win this moment but it's about thinking longer term bigger picture it's about winning not just in the moment it's about winning in life one of the the greatest quotes that i think i've ever heard is like you can make a point or you can make a difference and and i don't think you really make both right you kind of have to choose do you want to make a point and you want to you know be dogged about it and determined to make sure that everybody understands exactly how you feel and that, to me, is the opposite of weakness. You can win that moment or you can make a difference. You can win at life. You have a longer view of things. You understand, ultimately, that we're not here for what we get out of it. We're here to point people to Jesus. That's what we're here for. And so because you feel something and because you think something doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do. You can win the moment or you can win at life. That's what meekness I believe is meekness is not weakness and if we choose to, to walk in meekness we choose to walk in this this attitude that is not easily angered not easily frustrated not easily irritated 
I think that we start to experience the promises of God, the blessings of God, the peace of God, the kindness of God, the joy of God. I think if we, we choose to submit to the divine will that we get to see God's will in effect, God's, God's purpose is working out in our life when we choose to submit. If you never submit, you don't get to experience it. We have to submit to the divine will. And then ultimately, like I said, not being self-sufficient, but remembering that God is the one who provides. God is the one who gives us everything that we have. And ultimately, we are just relinquishing control back to him of something that we never had control of in the first place. It's just this, again, crazy upside down thing that we do. And so that's what meekness is. And, and here's my prayer for us. What I pray for us is that we don't misunderstand meekness. Like you are not weak. And, and if anybody tries to convince you that you're weak for being meek, that's on them. What you do, what we do, is we just continue to pursue this attitude that Jesus called us to have, an attitude of meekness, so that we can inherit the earth, inherit the promises that God has for us. Amen? Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for being such a, a terrific example of what meekness is. God, no one would ever in their right mind accuse you of being weak. One who was willing to sacrifice and serve to the point that he gave up his life for other people. And, and not just people who loved him, but people who were his enemies. That is the, the most incredible demonstration of strength on the face of the earth. God, in all of history, no greater demonstration of strength. God, help us to understand meekness like you understood meekness, Jesus. Help us to walk with an attitude, God, that is not easily irritated or provoked. That we would be submitted to your will, God, that, that even if it means that we sacrifice convenience for conviction in that moment, God, that we will do what we feel like you have called us to do, not just what is easy for us or makes our life easier in that moment. God, that we would be submitted to you and that we would remember God, that ultimately it is you that is in control. God, it's not us. God, God, we are finite. We don't have all of the answers, but you, God, are infinite and you do have all of the answers. So we would submit ourselves to you. Jesus, we love you and we're so thankful for you. And it's in your incredible name we pray and everybody's Amen.